0: Welcome to Bethel Brandon Sunday Message. Please head over to our website, BethelBrandon.ca, to figure out how we can best serve. you. Every time I get to preach, I get really excited. I'm always like, oh man, they're letting the young youth pastor type guy up there to speak. And then I get a little nervous because then I'm like, uh-oh, what if I say something wrong? And all this kind of stuff. And I was like, well, all right, we'll just do it anyway. Um, and I have this really funny joke. And I was basically going to say, like, you know, when I was introducing myself, I was going to be like, well, look, I'm not Pastor Mike. I didn't get his stunning good looks. But I beat him in the hair department. <laughs> and I can actually say that because he's not here. And none of you will snitch on me, right? Yeah. Um, but I actually am really, really excited to speak to you today. Um, and I want to talk. We're going to get into God's word. And about a year ago, um, I started at Bethel June 5th. So I've been here a year, which is amazing. Time flies by when you're having fun. Um, And about like, I think 11 months ago, I think it was August, I gave my first sermon here, okay? Now, I don't have it with me, but if you can guess the title of that sermon without cheating, no pulling up your phones or anything like that, um, I will give you some type of a prize. It'll probably just be a chocolate bar, but if you can guess it, let me know. Listen, I'm a youth pastor. I got to throw in the fun stuff every once in a while. That's, that's, that's the way it is. Um, but nobody's got it. That's fine. I didn't think anybody would. I didn't give you a lot of time. That's okay. Basically, it was called Be More Like Peter. There you go. So now, a year later, we're doing part two. Um. Basically, Peter is my favorite disciple. I love studying Peter. Anytime I get sort of a chance to look at um, the Apostle Peter, I take it because I think a lot of people misunderstand Peter. A lot of the time we focus on the negative things that he did. You know, it's like Peter fell in the water. Peter cut the guy's ear off. Peter said he was the greatest of them all. And then it's like, be more like Peter. Don't do that. And then I'm like, yeah, but Peter got out of the boat. Peter, Peter defended Jesus. Now, maybe it wasn't the best way to do it, but at least he took action. And I've always been taught that it's better to do something and possibly get it wrong than do nothing at all. And so that's why Peter has always stood out to me for his boldness. And that's what we covered in our first um, study of Peter. We covered his boldness, his ability to step out of the boat. But then I was like, well, what other lessons can we glean from Peter? I was like, yeah, I could talk about boldness again and maybe like kind of shifting in a different area. But then for some reason, as I was praying, the word obedience kept coming up. And I was like, huh, I guess God wants me to speak on obedience. And then I was like, okay, I know I want to talk about Peter and I know I want to talk about obedience. So now I have to figure out how the two go together. And let's be real, sometimes Peter is not the best example of obedience. But that's what we're going to talk about today. So we first looked at his boldness to step out of the boat. He gets it wrong. All that is great stuff. But Peter was obedient, despite what we might think. And I'm here to prove that. But I think the first step is always defining what obedience is. So what does obedience mean? Well, it is defined as the state or quality of being obedient or compliance with a direct order. It is also a request or law or submission to one's specific authority. So when we look at this in terms of our Christian, you know, life, our obedience is to God, right? We we surrender our lives to him and our obedience is to, you know, be like Matthew 28. It's like, go and preach to all the nations, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And that's what we're called to do. That is, we are obedient to Christ when we do that. And when we live a, try to live a sinless life, that is obedience. Right? That is submitting to God's authority. And I was praying, and I was reading, and I was like, okay, I want to talk about obedience, and I want to talk about Peter. Now i got to find a story that combines the two. And I'm just going to be straight up honest. I haven't read The book of Acts in like a really long time. I've just been studying other parts of the Bible. And I think a lot of us preachers do this because we don't have a lot of time all the time to like study specific parts of the Bible. So when we get an excuse like a sermon to study a specific part of the Bible, we jump at it. And so I was like, you know what, let's look through the book of Acts because obviously the first 10 chapters of the book of Acts is these amazing stories of the disciples doing amazing acts, establishing the church. And I was reading in Acts 9 And I was like, oh, yeah, Acts 9, Saul's conversion. And I was like, okay, kind of flipping through. And then I stumbled upon the story that we're going to talk about today, which is Acts 32 to 43. It's the story of Ananias and and Dorcas or sometimes Tabitha. It just depends on um, which, either Greek or Aramaic. Now, anytime we read about a story in the Bible, okay, it doesn't matter if you're studying it for yourself or you're preaching it, we should look at, context. What happens before, kind of what happens immediately surrounding, and what happens after. Okay, I know this is really important because I got a degree in Bible study at a Bible college, and this is like the the thing they rammed down our throat. Context, 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 context. Um, And so it's clearly important. And we have to think about it this way. The Bible is truth. It's God's word to us. But it wasn't necessarily written for us today. And so we have to understand that to pull out all the information applicable to us we have to put ourselves in those people's shoes as best as we can and also just a quick side comment and I'm and I'm genuinely like just in awe of this why is it that when we look at the context we look at what happens before and so if we start reading what happens before in Acts chapter 9 it has nothing to do with Peter it's all about Saul's conversion Now, it's an amazing story. Saul's conversion into Paul is amazing, and it shows the work of God in his life, and it is foundational in the rest of the New Testament. Don't get me wrong. It's important. But it's so random to me that in the middle of this amazing arc of the disciples, Luke just decides to put Saul's conversion here. Has anybody ever been baffled by that, or is that just me? Like I, and maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm misunderstanding something here. But it has always baffled me. And I, I even in Bible college, I asked about it, and my professor was like, "I don't know. That's a good question." Now, does this really have anything to do with our story? No. I just I just had the floor, and I wanted to get it out there. Um. But if we want to understand the context, we'll just move back. Of, we'll just move back further to uh, Acts eight. Uh, and so in Acts eight, we see that. Uh, Peter and John are actually, you know, requested by Philip to go help them in Samaria. Right, so Philip, you know, sends them a letter or whatever, and it's like, hey, I need your help in Samaria to preach the gospel, all that kind of stuff. And of course, because they're good, obedient followers of Christ, they follow. They go to Samaria where they preach the gospel, hundreds of, maybe even thousands of people hear it. You know, they're saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, really amazing stuff. And basically, it just establishes that Peter is this traveling evangelist, basically. That's kind of how we would put it in today's terms. He travels around preaching the gospel to people. Uh, And then that's exactly after his trip to Samaria is where our story takes place. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Acts 9, 32 to 43, or you can follow along on the screen. It says, meanwhile, Peter was traveling from place to place, and he came down to visit the believers in the town of Lydda. It was there he met a man named Ananias who had been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Anias, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your sleeping mat. And he was healed instantly. Then the whole population of Lydda in the surrounding town of Sharon, saw Ananias walking around and they turned their lives to the Lord. Then there was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha and she was always doing amazing, kind things for the poor, helping them. And it was about this time that she became ill and died. And then her body was washed and prepared for burial and laid in an upstairs room. Okay, we're just going to pause for a second. Something important to note, we're talking about context, is that at this time in culture, when um, somebody died, they were always buried at the next sundown. So if they died at night, they were buried the next sundown. Um, And then there was like a ceremonial thing they went through of like cleaning the body and exhuming it and preparing it for for burial. And we kind of have to make some educated guesses here. But if Peter's been traveling all day, and he's in one town, and he's got to walk to the next one, you imagine it's getting pretty late in the day. So, Peter, there's some urgency to our story, okay? Because if Peter doesn't get there in time, body's buried. Now, does that mean our story won't happen? No, but it's it's a little more awkward, (laughs) for sure. Anyway, as we resume... um, But believers had heard of all the things that Peter was doing nearby at Lydda, and so they sent two men to beg and plead with him. They said, please, please, come as soon as possible. Peter returned with them, and as soon as he arrived, they rushed him to the upstairs room, and it was filled with widows who were weeping, and they were all showing Peter the coats and all the amazing things that Dorcas had made for them. Peter asked them all to leave the room. Then he knelt and prayed. He turned to the body and said, get up. As she opened her eyes, she saw Peter, and she she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her. He then called in all the widows and the believers, and he presented them, he presented her alive. The news spread through the whole town, And many more started to believe in the Lord. And then Peter ended up staying a long time, living with a man named Simon the Tanner. Wow. It's it's amazing to me to read this story. And like I said, I'm going to be honest. I haven't read this story in a long time. I kind of forgot it was here. And I was blown away when I read it. And see, what happens is, is it seems most of the time when we hear sermons on Acts 9... It's always about Saul. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. But every sermon I heard from Acts 9 was Saul's conversion. Which, again, it's mega. It's super important. But I think what happens is, is when we look at our stories in context, what happens in Acts 9 and then what follows in Acts 10 I think makes the story better. Not to say that one story in the Bible is more important than the other. It's just that when in relevancy to our message on obedience, it is. And so basically, when we look at Acts 10, it adds to the weight of Peter's actions. So obviously, Acts 10 is famously known for the story of Cornelius. Cornelius is this, you know, sort of big-time, hot-shot, type of, like, political leader. He was in charge of some army-type stuff. Like, he's a man of status. And he has a dream, and he knows that God is going to send somebody to help him, you know, preach to the Gentiles. And then that person that is sent is Peter. Now, obviously, Peter would have gone because the Lord tells Peter, hey, go to Cornelius' house. Um, but what's really cool is Peter was really well-known by this point. I mean, he just healed two people, and, like, the word was spreading fast of what he was doing. So he already has a little bit of respect and status when he shows up, which I think is really cool. It adds to the obedience of Peter to step out and to do that. So he goes to Cornelius' house, and he prays for the Gentiles, and he saves them, a ton of them, and they all are filled with the Holy Spirit, and it's amazing. Peter's work did not stop after our story. It continued. Peter continued on to share and be obedient to God. He submitted to God's authority and went from one place to another. No excuses of I'm too tired or I'm too busy or "Ah, John can do it. Right? He's like, okay, I'm going. And look what happens. Amazing things happen. And these stories are amazing to me because it shows the growth and change of Peter. Kind of like what I said at the beginning, Peter is sort of gone from this bumbling buffoon, so to speak. And at least he's still respected. Um, but he goes from this hotshot, arrogant, you know, I know everything type of character to what we see here now being the rock on which the foundation of the church is built on. That's incredible to me. The change in Peter's life going from, you know, arguing with the disciples about who Jesus loves more or who is the greatest of them or, you know, falling in the water. And yes, he still gets out of the boat. It's awesome, but he still falls in. Or when he speaks out of turn at the Mount of Transfiguration or all of the little times that, you know, Peter often, you know, was bold, but in the wrong way. You know, he cuts the servant's ear off. And ultimately, he ends up denying Jesus three times after Jesus tells him, you are going to deny me three times. Kind of a red flag. Like, if Jesus tells me you're going to deny me three times, I'm going to be watching for it. And I'm going to be like, no, I'm not. Right? But he does it anyway. What's amazing is Peter stepped up to lead people, to heal people, to discern the work of the Holy Spirit in his life to live out the gospel in real time, to be a light to those around him. He was obedient. He followed what God was presenting in front of him. We all need to be more like Peter. See, our story of Ananias and Dorcas being healed, it's an amazing reminder of our amazing God that we get to serve, that, that does those amazing things all the time. But what it reminds me of, and when I look at the whole story of Peter, it doesn't matter the mistakes you made when you were 20, or 10, or 5, or the mistakes you made when you were 50, or 60. God is ready and willing to use us. That, the, the slate's clean. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. doesn't keep record of wrongs. There's nothing, there's no checklist of things that, you know, there's no punch card, any of that kind of stuff. There's nothing. The second you accept Christ in your life, the slate's clean, you are new, and you are ready to be used. And guess what? You're going to make mistakes. We are all going to make mistakes. Even in serving the Lord, we will make mistakes. We will fall. We will stumble. We will sin. None of that matters because if we are continually obedient to God, that stuff is fallen away and is removed from our life and amazing things happen the question is are we ready and willing to let god use us let me say that again are we actually ready and willing to let god use us i know i am and i'm excited We need to be more like Peter. Learn from our mistakes and allow God and the Holy Spirit to move through us, to rid us of those past mistakes, to rid us of the things that we're holding on to, the shame, the burdens, the chains, whatever, whatever adjective you want to put on it. It's the Holy Spirit's work that removes that in our life. We just have to be willing to. Every single time we are obedient to God, good always follows. Whether it's praying for somebody on the street, guess what? Good will follow from that. You might not ever see the ramifications of that action, but know that you did good and good will follow. Right? Sharing Jesus with your coworker, you may never see the fruit of that, but you don't know the work that God is doing in that person's life. Somebody has to start the conversation. Peter let go of his past and move forward obediently. That's what we need to do. See, when I was in college, I was interning at, the, at my first church. And during the summer, um, I was the pastoral intern. is what my official title was. And um, basically, all of the, just like now, actually, funny, all of the pastors were gone. Everybody was on vacation. And um, the, their youth, like, the Saskatchewan District's youth camp was going on at the time. And we get a call from the camp, and they're like, hey, like, can you send one of your pastors out tonight? We're doing, like, a baptismal service. You know, we're doing altar ministry, all that kind of stuff. It would be really great if we could get, you know, some representation from your church. And I was like, yeah, great idea but nobody's here, <laughs> and I was like, uh, I'll get back to you on that, like, I was like, because, because I'm thinking, I'm not a pastor, I can't do it, and so I call my youth pastor at the time, I knew he was just sitting at home on his couch, but he was on vacation, and he had plans, and, and so I call him, and I'm like, I just motor mouth, because I'm so nervous, I'm just like, man, I don't know what to do. They want to they be baptized. I, 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 I can't do it. I don't have my credentials. I don't have this. I've never taken that class. What if I only baptize them in the name of Jesus? What if I only do it in this and this and this? And I just was freaking out. And he just calmly, jokingly, and he laughs at me, but not in like a degrading way, um, not in like a patronizing way. He just kind of laughs. And I spew on for 10 minutes about how I can't do this and he needs to come and whatever. And he just laughs and... You know, I had zero confidence in myself. And uh, he basically just is like, yeah, well, you're just going to have to do it. Bye. (laughs) And that's that. And he he literally hung up. And I was like, okay, that was not helpful. Um, But it, it was. Retroactively looking back on it, it was super helpful because I knew that he had confidence in me. Because I had no confidence in myself. I was coming up with every excuse in the book. I was like, oh, uh, I don't have any, you know, swim trunks. Uh Uh-oh, I can't do it. Or, oh, I have, you know, I can't go in the water. I got a cut on my foot. I don't want to get tetanus or something. Like, whatever. I was coming up with every excuse. But I finally worked up the courage to be obedient and forget about all that stuff. And just do what God wanted me to See, I I, I, did, I I can't drive. I couldn't drive at the time, and camp's, you know, an hour away. That's a big hurdle. And I was like, well, I know I want to do this, and I'm nervous. So I texted and called one of my best friends, and I was like, hey, man, this is really out of the blue, but I was wondering if you could, you know, take me up to camp tonight. And he's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm going up in like half an hour. Little did I know his – I think they were engaged at the time – His fiance was the camp cook. And so he was going up anyway to spend some time with her. And I was like, huh. Wow, when we really do step out in obedience, good things follow. God makes the way. So I show up. And the whole car ride, I am shivering. That's how nervous I was. Like, I'm like chattering teeth, like like in a movie, and I was like, and my, honestly, my biggest concern was like, what if I drop them? (laughs) You know, I was like, what if I drop one of them? I was like, that would be really embarrassing. And I was like, I don't care, it'd be really embarrassing for them. And I'm reading the Bible, and I'm trying to figure out what I want to say, and all this stuff, and I was like, how am I going to, like, how am I actually going to baptize them? Because it's like, that's a big deal. So I show up, and the directors and a couple of the other pastors that we knew from around the city and stuff were kind of like, oh, it's your first time, huh? And they're just on my case the whole time. And like, because they knew I was going to do it, they could just tell that I was going to do it, but of course they have to poke fun at the new guy, and that's that's the way it is. And one of them's like, oh yeah, make sure you don't drop him, this, that, and the other, and he's really going in. And I was like, man, this is not what I need right now. I was like, I just need you to tell me it's going to be okay, and... It was okay. And I think I baptized, like, three or four students that night. And um, they had, like, I stayed for the whole service. And they had, like, their altar calls night. And, man, God was so tangible in that chapel. There were students I didn't even know coming up to me and being prayed for. I was at the altar for what felt like minutes. It was hours. Because God was just moving. Students were giving their lives to Jesus, throwing their sins away. Students were being filled with the Holy Spirit, and then going and praying for their friends to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And they were. It was amazing. It was one of the most amazing things I have ever seen in my walk with God so far. I was goosebumps. I was, it was amazing. But what makes me so, like, upset about it is I almost said no. I almost didn't do it. And then it made me think, how many of those opportunities have I missed because I wasn't obedient? I don't want that for us. I don't want to look back and think, oh, I should have been there and I wasn't. I don't want to be a church that second guesses. I want to be one that goes out and does it. Let's be more like Peter. Let's be obedient to God's call. Let's be obedient to his word. Let's be obedient to the commandment and to the call of going and preaching the gospel to all people. Let's pray for people. Let's reach out. That person in your life that you have been pondering about for a while, talk to them. Share share Jesus with them. They might turn around and walk away. You still did good, because now that person has at least thought about it, and God is moving in that person's life. Last week, we had four baptisms. It was awesome. It was amazing. And what was even more amazing about that is, first of all, I love baptism. Out of all of the things that we get to do as pastors, that is probably number one. Because I love the idea that what was old and dead is washed away, and you come up clean and new with a fresh zeal and passion to seek after God. That, to me, is amazing. And it was so evident last week that that was in the room. Because not only did myself and Pastor Mike, we got together on Sunday morning and we're going over baptism. And I was kind of like, hey, like, I don't know. He had said it to me. He's like, Logan, he's like, I think I want to open it up to anybody to be baptized. And I was like, huh, I also wanted to do that. When we're obedient to God, good things happen. And if you were at last week's service, you know that we had a surprise baptism from a young man who obediently answered God's call to publicly declare his faith for Christ and be baptized. And it was amazing. It was absolutely incredible. His story is amazing. I highly recommend you all go and watch last week's service and hear all of the baptisms and stories that were told. Because I don't know if you guys could see it from the tank, but I was tearing up. Because I love baptism. It was amazing. But that's not where this part of the sermon ends. That's not where I'm finishing here. It was after. I was talking with the young man, and his friend comes down. He meets me in the gym, and we're chatting, and I'm just getting to know him a little bit. And he's talking about how, like, this isn't the first time that he's felt this obedient call. And I was like, oh, well, tell me more. Some of you might know Camilla. She works upstairs um, with our kids. She's amazing. Um, her and this young man were re- are really good friends, and they went to the same high school. And one day, they both just felt like they needed to pray for people. And I don't remember if it was a teacher or a student. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Somebody was having knee pain. They were battling, like, an injury, and there was arthritis. They just walked up to the person, asked their hands, prayed for the person, completely healed. Got up, walked away, no pain since. They are 17 to 18 years old, and they're stepping out and being obedient like that. In the school, nonetheless, where all of their friends are going to see, all of the teachers who might not like what they're doing could tell them to stop, all of these things, but they still were obedient and did it. So I ask again, what's stopping us from letting God use us? What's stopping you from sharing Jesus to your friends? To your family, to your coworkers, to your neighbor? Um Peter was his own worst enemy. Okay, he really was. His boldness was his greatest strength and his greatest weakness. <laughs> I think the same thing goes for us. The only thing stopping us is ourselves. Because the power of the enemy has no hold over us. The victory is won. Jesus is there. The only thing is stopping us is us. We get in our own heads. We start to think, that's not worth it. Or, I'm not equipped to do that. Or, God will never use me. Or, I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too tired. Didn't stop Peter. They walked for days to get to places. Still, got He still went and did it. He was obedient to God's call. The reality is there's is nothing stopping us but ourselves to be more like Peter, to be obedient. If our youth are doing it, if our kids are doing it, we should be doing it. Now, I hate ending sermons without some type of action because it's If you give y'all all all dessert and no steak, you're going to leave hungry. So some of you might be asking, well, how do I be obedient? There's a lot of answers that I could give for this. And truthfully, I can't exactly tell you how to be obedient. I can tell you to read your Bible and pray every day because that's only going to make your relationship with God stronger and your wisdom and discernment stronger. And you're going to become more in tune with the Spirit and what it wants you to do. So that's always your first step. But the reality is, get out of your own head. Just be bold. Step out. Do something. Make a fool of yourself. Who cares? Like, seriously, who cares? God is going to do something good every single time. So just step up and do something. Maybe that's serving here at church. That's always a great first step. Maybe it's finally talking to that coworker and inviting them for coffee. Maybe it's finally inviting your best friend to church. I don't know what it is in your life, but I can tell you that if you read your Bible and you pray and you step out in boldness, obedience follows. They go hand in hand. So I'm going to pray, and I think the worship team is supposed to be coming up. Um,. And um, I'm going to leave the front open. Um, So if you want to pray for boldness, whatever, I'll be around to pray for you. Um, The worship team will do it, and then we'll be good to go. So dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for Peter. Thank you for the lessons that we can learn from him. Thank you for your love and your boldness, your kindness poured out for us. God, thank you for Jesus' saving work on the cross, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit comes and takes us out of our own heads. I pray that you come and you empower us like never before. To be a church that is boldly obedient to follow you. Father, that those who are sitting here with a nudge in their spirit to talk to somebody, I pray that they do that. I pray that you empower them to step out and to be obedient and to do that. God, I pray that as we close out today, I just, I pray that your Holy Spirit moves through us like never before. God, I pray that we obediently follow you each and every day. I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please head over to BethelBrandon.ca to listen to our older messages or maybe connect with us and figure out how we can best serve you. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.